Quick editor's note for today's episode, you might hear some banging or some thumping. Uh, That's my daughter kicking her feet against the bottom of the desk where I was recording. Uh, Sorry in advance for the thumping and bumping in the background. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Today, we're starting again with uh, an email at our inbox at primarycarepod at gmail.com. Again, today comes from an anonymous source. Uh, Hey, Dr. List, I have a joke for you. It's a long one. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Anonymous. Uh, Let's read your joke. All right. Let me pull this up here. All right. Uh, A woman took her husband to the doctor. The doctor checked the husband's pulse and told the woman, I'm sorry, your husband is dead. The woman was shocked. I don't believe it. Are you sure? I want to be absolutely sure. Is there any other test you can do? Doctor said, sure. There's lots of other tests if we can perform. Woman says, yes, I want to be absolutely certain. Doctor shrugged, sat down on a stool, yelled out the door. Nurse, send in Mrs. Fluffkins. In walked a black cat. Cat jumped on the exam table, walked around to the unresponsive body, swatted at the head a little bit, jumped off the table, meowed twice, walked out of the room. Ah, just as I thought, said the doctor. Dead. Send in Walter. In walked a Labrador retriever. The dog walked over to the woman's husband, smelled his hand, which was dangling down from the table. Dog turned to the doctor, barked twice, walked out of the room. Just as I thought, said the doctor. Dead. Send in Colin. Suddenly, a towering Australian man in safari gear burst into the room. A pair of binoculars hung from a strap around his neck. He pulled them up to his eyes, looked at the husband for a second, turned to the old woman and said, Oi! Your husband's dead! And walked out of the room. Thank you, Colin, said the doctor, making a note on the clipboard, then yelled down the hall. All right, nurse. Can you send in can you send in Mrs. O'Leary? Ma'am, can you come in here for a second? Another old woman entered the room, peered through her thick glasses at the body of the husband. On the exam table, she shook her head, then sat down on a typewriter in the corner, clicked away at the cues at the keys for a second. Ding! She pulled out a card off the typewriter, handed it to the doctor. The doctor looked at the card. Uh, dead, just as I thought. Thank you, ma'am. That'll be all. Doctor suddenly hopped down from his stool. He picked up the stool by the legs, swung it over his head, crashing down on the body next to the husband. Husband's lifeless body flailed under the impact, then settled back to rest on the table. Doctor settled the stool down, jotted something out of his clipboard. I'm sorry to inform you that your husband is definitely dead, said the doctor. He handed a piece of paper detailing all the test results. Take to this front desk, and they'll check you guys out. The woman took the slip of the paper to the front desk. The reception looked it over giving the old woman a sad look and said, I'm sorry for your loss. That'll be $32,000. $32,000, said the old woman. That can't possibly be right. I've never paid so much to see the doctor in my life. The receptionist looked over the paper and said, well, it's only a $100 copay to see the doctor, but it shows you also had a CAT scan, a lab report, a colonoscopy, a mammogram, and a stool analysis. Wow. Wow, really anonymous? That joke was terrible. You just subjected my listeners, all five of them, to that terrible joke. How dare you? Uh, But any real feedback or uh, jokes or anything else you want to hear on the Primary Care Podcast, send it to primarycarepod at gmail.com. Thank you, Anonymous, for the the, uh, joke. And uh, we'll start the show. The Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, and medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views or policies of my employer, past or present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We are today, we're going to talk about a topic. Uh, I've already gotten some uh, 
patient feedback on, some questions on this. Uh, this was a, a, a study that came out this week, uh, December 3rd, 2019. Hair dye and chemical straightener use and breast cancer risk in a large U.S. population of black and white women. Uh, this was, again, done in the United States. Uh, this was uh, recently, uh, like I said, this week, uh, released in Cancer Epidemiology. And I think this is a great example of a study that has some real clinical value, has some real evidence and a very large patient group, but probably doesn't actually mean that much to the average woman. And yet, the popular media has gone crazy with this story. I mean, bonkers for this story. So uh, here, let me pull some stuff up here. Um, so uh, my, my title today of Hair dye causes breast cancer. That, that's what, what a headline, right? Uh, you know, there's millions of American women and women around the world who dye their hair, whether this be uh, permanent or temporary dye. Uh, the study in question actually looks specifically at permanent hair dye causing the link to cancer. It's not, not found with temporary uh, hair dye, so that's to put that to bed. Uh, but this is, uh, if you've seen the popular news about this story that was released this week, um, uh, NPR, uh, their headline here, uh, hair dyes and straighteners linked to higher cancer risk, especially for black women. Uh, WebMD, uh, the bastion of everything causes cancer. Study links hair straighteners, dyes to breast cancer. And uh, for your international listeners, uh, the Daily Mail, uh, women who use permanent hair dye are 9% more likely to get breast cancer, scientists discover. So here's an example of how the study was released on December 3rd, and instantaneously around the globe, women uh, with and without medical training are just bombarded by the fact that, well, if you dye your hair, you're going to get breast cancer. Uh, this, the media's fast-paced reporting uh, propagation of this single study, single study into the eyes of every woman around the globe uh, within 24 hours after the release of the study is, again, terrifying. It's good in some ways, right? Medical, medical reporting is great in some cases. They get information to the, in the hands of patients to be warned about potential dangers. But this case is another case of how a single study with a very small increase in relative risk and an almost an infinitesimally small absolute risk, which we'll get into here, is going gonna, is gonna to cause millions of women to be nervous, concerned, feared, and worried that their dye job that they get at their uh, stylist office is going to cause them to have a breast tumor. So, um, you know, the, the question is not that is the data of this study wrong. So what does the study actually show? Let me pull it up here. Uh, so going back to the data, um, what does it show? Well, really it shows a study of 47,000 uh, women. So the end is pretty big. Uh, ages 35 to 74, enrolled between 2003 and 2009. Okay, So they were enrolled and they were followed for eight years. Now, very, very, very important. The women in this study are not your average American women. They're not your average woman, period. They have a sister diagnosed with breast cancer. So again, these are young women or women 35 to 74. So there's a pretty big range. But having to have a, a sister with breast cancer. But they were themselves were breast cancer free at the time of the study. And they did a enrollment questionnaire, 12-month hair product use. And then they looked at hazard ratios, et cetera. Um, of this study, these 47,000 participants in this 8.3-year uh, follow-up, 2,700, almost 2,800 breast cancers were identified. 55% of users had uh, used permanent hair dye at some point in the 12 months following their enrollment. Okay, so 45% did not. Now, 
permanent dye use was associated with a 45% higher breast cancer risk in black women, 7% white women, and 9% overall. Okay, Those are all relative risk increases. Now, the absolute risk increase, because again, we're talking about uh, an N of 47,000 and a, and a positive rate of, uh, you know, 2,800 cancers that were identified, the absolute risk increase uh, in the total population is about 0.00030 and 1. Uh, that's the rate for the total population uh, of white women uh, with uh, the, the rate of all women combined slightly higher, and then the rates of black women significantly higher. Uh, and so that's one of the big takeaways from the study. So the data is not wrong. This is, and this is not the first time this has come up. Uh, give me a second here. Let me go back to my notes. All right. So, uh, you know, this is something that people have talked about for a long time. You know, we can go, you can go on PubMed right now and search hair dye associated with breast cancer. And there's data from animal models for decades, right? That there's in some of these, uh, chem in some of these hair dyes, there's thousands of chemicals, many of which have already been linked to tumors in, in mice, um, and, you know, there's been other studies, though, that have looked at animal data and, you know, hasn't really seen a link in the increase in tumors, for example, in mice with this hair dye use. Um, and there have been two other meta-analysis, one in 2012, which showed no real increase in hair dye use associated with breast cancer, another one in 2008 showing a possible uh, link with uh, an N of those studies, uh, about 14 studies in the one in 2000, uh, 2012, the one with no link, and then one with about 11 studies and the one in 2018. So again, conflicting meta-analyses uh, that show that maybe hair dye is associated, maybe it's not. So this is not the first time this topic's come up. Uh, the straighteners, for example, they have a, a link with formaldehyde in the straighteners, which we all know is a, um, in large amounts can be carcinogenic. Um, in small amounts, it's pretty, it's pretty harmless and is even, uh, you know, it's found in some foods like pears, for example. Um, but in this, in this particular study, there is an association, right? The, the, the p-value is statistically significant. Um, there is a 9% relative risk, which is small but real. That doesn't mean it's an invalid study just because we have previous meta-analyses showing that there isn't a, you know, a, a change in uh, rates of breast cancer with hair dye use. But I think that the fact that the media taking this and running with this and all these articles that basically lay out, if you use hair dye, you have an increased risk of breast cancer. You know, the, the relative risk is 9%. That's again, that's small. The absolute risk is incredibly small as we talked about. And yet breast cancer is incredibly anxiety provoking for many, many, many women, right? The frequency, one in eight women in the United States diagnosed with breast cancer in the, their lifetime. There's a very good chance that a woman is going to click on that link. And if they are not been affected by breast cancer themselves, there's a very good chance that they will have either a friend or a family member or a, a relative who has been affected by breast cancer. And this gets into the, the media's obsession with little tiny minutiae, you know, uh, whether it's a food causing cancer or reducing your risk of cancer or uh, a hair product or something in our environment, a, a tiny little thing. And, and people are focusing these, these media reports and, and, and really our society in general is just obsessed with, oh, coffee is good. Coffee is bad. Alcohol is good. Alcohol is bad. Um, and, and all these like little things, but, but miss the big picture, miss the big picture here. You know, breast cancer has a lot of really important risk factors, right? Really important risk factors, right? Don't smoke. Uh, try to breastfeed. You know, try to, uh, you know, try to exercise more. 
Try to lose weight. Try to not be obese. Don't be an alcoholic with excessive alcohol intake. You know, don't don't tan. I guess that's more skin cancer, but there's a weak link between that and breast cancer. Um, but in, in general, those are those are the big ways to move the needle. And yet our society is so fascinated, so obsessed with every little of these individual studies with various environmental or lifestyle minutia that can contribute to a specific disease. But in reality, the absolute risk uh, reduction or the absolute risk increase by, by partaking or avoiding these things is so incredibly trivial that our patients are reading and their brains are being stressed out. And, you know, this gets back into the whole why are so many people anxious or depressed or stressed in modern day life? And it's because this 24-hour media coverage, putting negative news in your eyes, you know, for many people, and you and I are probably included in this, in listener, in, in this discussion, but there are certain topics, certain diseases, certain cancers. Um, for me, it's Alzheimer's disease. I see a study and it's this specter, right? It's this, it's this ghost. It's this really scary thing that is a very real thing and that I worry about for my own personal health. It creates this momentary anxiety in myself about, you know, I see a study on, oh, this caused an increased rates of Alzheimer's disease. Now, Alzheimer's disease, terrible disease, affects my family. Uh, I, you know, I, I worry about it in, in, in my future. I worry about it in my, my father's future. I worry about it in my family's future because I've seen how devastating it can be not only for families, but even in my own family. And these studies that are so minuscule and have such a small absolute risk increase of this disease drive so many clicks, drive so much attention, so many sharings, so many likes, so many uh, Facebook discussions, uh, you know, news articles around the globe that I think that as primary care providers, we really have to be on our toes about making sure that our discussion points about these diseases are are solid, that we know what the big drivers of these diseases are, right? Obesity, inactive lifestyle, uh, genetics, um, you know, smoking, the, the big things that drive the cancer reduction needles, and to focus our patients on those modifiable risk factors. Now, now don't get me wrong. If a patient has a big, strong family history of breast cancer, knowing that maybe they shouldn't dye their hair, that's fine. I mean, if you want to get your risk to as low as humanly possible, sure. Uh, knowing that this is probably a real study, that there is probably some value in reducing your risk by reducing uh, your exposure to hair dyes, great. That's fine. But I think we can't let fear drive our patients crazy trying to eliminate every single small 0.0001% absolute risk increase in their chance for breast cancer, driving them to live a worse quality of life and to drive up their anxiety and to drive up their stress. I think that we need to encourage our patients about being educated about what their actual real risks of these things are, right? I think that is the most important thing that a primary care provider can do looking at these studies. I think these studies are very important. They highlight the fact that the chemicals we use in our products in our daily life could absolutely worsen our health. I think that it's good, especially in this study, that black women know that those products that they are using greatly increase their risk. I think that's very valuable. But I think the bigger takeaway for primary care providers is know what these studies show, know what the relative and absolute risks of these products are, know the fact that there are meta-analysis that haven't shown a risk increase. There have been some that have shown a very small potential for increased risk. 
know that these studies are so unimportant in the big scheme of life that we need to encourage our patients to delete Facebook, ignore these type of comments, and, you know, uh, worry about the big stuff. Uh, do, you, do you think I got it wrong? Do you want to talk about it? Uh, again, email me at primarycarepod at gmail.com. Uh, so go forth, family practitioners. Uh, continue to practice good medicine. Continue to talk about uh, breast cancer and cancer screenings in general with your patients. And uh, go forth knowing uh, the hair dye, dye or don't dye, uh, it probably doesn't make a difference either way. Oh, of note, extremely, instead of our normal, instead of our normal uh, outro, instead of our normal end of the, the podcast, uh, I'm going to just focus on the fact that we do probably have uh, CME actually coming. We, uh, I'm working with Animal Medical Group and producing free CME. It, I should have more information to you very quickly. Uh, what the plan is, is we'll give uh, CME links in the comment section to uh, articles or to these podcasts, and you can go on the website that we'll link you to, to the Animal Medical Group. And they will provide you uh, free CME access. You can click and uh, get CME probably for a whole month. We'll probably release the uh, release the CME in a month. That way, instead of getting you know 0.25 clinical hours per episode and having you do like all those clicks and all those uh, um, downloads and all those uh, CME updates, we could probably just do them all in bulk and just do them at a month. And you just claim what you listen to. So again, more to come. But I think we're really close to being able to announce the actual release of our CME. And so we uh, will wrap up today uh, saying you don't have to stay up all night to be up to date. Uh, have a great afternoon. Bye. Oh, uh, last note, uh, thank you to my oldest daughter for helping me with our Christmas intro music, Angels We Have Heard on High. Uh, big thanks to her. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.